So sadly, first and foremost, we start off today here in the fast lane that there was that shooting in Kansas City at the Chiefs parade today. And we will get into the regular stuff very shortly, but we need to at least acknowledge that one person is dead, nine injured from a shooting in Kansas City at the parade following the parade itself and the pep rally for the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl victory. Um, I mean, look, we we go down this road all the time. It stinks. It doesn't change. Um, yes, there's the gun control debate that always comes out when shootings pop up, and uh, and I think it's always healthy to have a dialogue about that. Reasonable minds can have their various opinions on it. Um, when people get fiery and hate-filled about that, uh, and maybe overly passionate, I think that gets unhealthy and ultimately fuels people towards their stance and ultimately you know it's not responsible for this behavior people making hate-based decisions are responsible for this behavior and should be held to justice whenever something like this pops up but um you know having productive dialogue seeing where other people are coming from and you know people that are filled with hate engaging in acts of hate this is what often happens and I mean, look, again, reasonable minds can disagree on this shooting in Kansas City and how to respond to it. Um, you know, and it doesn't mean that both sides don't have a valid point. Um, you know, I'm very pro Second Amendment. Uh, I'm also pro intense scrutiny and background checks before obtaining guns and weapons. And also I'm of the belief that in a lot of cases um, you crack down on people's rights to own that. And in places where those restrictions are greater, oftentimes it does not mean that the behavior gets curbed because people that want to commit hate-filled acts will go to whatever means, including illegally obtaining such uh, weapons to destroy other people, that the the regulations and procedures in place don't really impact them because, pardon my language here, they are hell-bent, probably literally going there, but they are hell-bent on doing what's wrong and hurtful to other people, and the hate and hatred is a root of that. Um, and again, pro-Second Amendment, but pro-stringent uh, from my particular background on that. But guns don't walk in and kill people. They're not responsible for hate. People are responsible for hate. And whatever fuels it, it's okay to say, I, I need to get this under control. And clearly, sadly, we have a problem in life where that doesn't happen. And it's not the only incident of this either, by the way. I'll get political for 10 seconds here. Uh, I went to school in Memphis, uh, and it's not the only place, but smash and grabs are a big deal where people break in they just steal stuff and in addition to that whether that's cars stuff from stores car car thefts were at ten thousand, and that was as of may of 2023 for that year um may of 2023 ten thousand car thefts in memphis um less regulations or excuse me more restrictions uh less funding for the police department more restrictions have popped up uh, on people's rights to defend themselves, and that's been the result of it. So again, not saying that you don't need restrictions on gun ownership, but we also need to be responsible for it. And I just hate that we have to have this dialogue again and again because it's not one side's right and one side's wrong. Reasonable minds can disagree, but the the, the sad reality is we have to once again address something like that to start off the fast lane. Uh, there is no way to pivot from that more sanely to sports-related topics, but yet... Here we are, where we get to discuss that, and you know, one result I don't think should change an impact. Obviously, I don't think, otherwise I wouldn't be having the opinion. But one result should not change an impact. 
how you view where the Virginia Tech Hokies and Virginia Cavaliers are at this juncture of the season. Things can change, certainly, over the next month or so. Virginia could play their way out of the tournament, I think, more easily than Virginia Tech could play their way into the tournament. And we're talking about it from a men's perspective. Uh, women, I think, were pretty well set is... Trey and Evan Hughes discussed yesterday, Fastlane, Edlane, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, the Virginia Tech women, they're in the tournament. The Virginia Lady Cavaliers, uh, they've progressed in year two under Coach Mox, but I don't think they're an NCAA tournament caliber team, and those opinions are much more solidified. But for Virginia Tech basketball last night, if anything, I think it's reasonable as a fan to be just wondering where this type of behavior has been, where, as Mike Young mentioned in the postgame commentary afterwards, on the Virginia Tech Radio Network, on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app, your home for the Virginia Tech Hokies, await for it. They were actually quicker to the ball than Florida State was. Out rebounded Florida State twelve. Uh, they they just they just peeled our ears back in uh, Tallahassee. We were quicker to the ball tonight than uh, than they were. They were much quicker to the ball in uh, Tallahassee, and that was a big part of the game. Probably a big part of the game tonight. We were much quicker to the ball than they were, and much quicker than we've been previously. It's reasonable to say Tech wins 83-75. They're 6-7 and seven in the ACC, and I mean, let's be honest, they're going to they're gonna have to win out, and winning out starts this Saturday at Carolina, uh, 1.30 airtime on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app in a game that obviously they'll be considerable underdogs despite the Heels losing last night to Syracuse. But, I mean, Virginia Tech's going to need that. If they do, they'll get the win over Carolina. They'd get a win against Virginia at home uh, and a win against Wake at home, and the tournament resume-boosting wins would come from that, and then all of a sudden uh, you'd be looking at a team that is well above 500 in ACC play. Right now they're 6-7 and t- seven in a down ACC and 14-10 and 10 overall. They're clearly not even at first four or next four out of the NCAA tournament, but they were quicker to the ball. So I think it's reasonable to ask the question of where this has been more consistently for Virginia Tech. This past weekend at Notre Dame is an example of it, and in other areas. Some of it we've discussed. Hunter Couture has been asked to do a little bit more. Kashong Padula has been asked to do a lot more at the guard spot. And for as great as MJ Collins can be defensively, you just don't get a lot from him on the offensive end. It's just the consistency out of Virginia Tech has been a real issue. But you can control how quick you are to the ball, and as Mike Young mentioned afterwards, another praiseworthy thing for Virginia Tech, but... Even though Florida State shot the ball extremely well last night, over 50% uh, for the game, they were at least aggressive defensively and made the Knowles earn it. Just better, better job, Mark, of keeping a body on a body. Um, I, I didn't think we had the the defensive lapses, the you know the individual uh, guarding the the ball uh, and that thing getting anywhere one I thought uh, anywhere it wants. I thought we did a pretty good job in that uh, in that in that regard. I mean, for Virginia Tech, it was actually encouraging the performance last night, the way they played defense, the aggressiveness with which they played, the fact that they were able to go reasonably speaking eight to nine deep in the lineup last night. You get fifteen from Tyler Nickel off the bench, and yes. We say this all the time, but bench guys generally play better at home than they play on the road. But for Virginia Tech, you know, 75 points given up to Florida State's a challenge, but you made the Knowles earn it. Jameer Watkins, the former VCU Ram, had a really good game for FSU. 7 of 9 shooting. Again, you made them earn it, including 9 of 11 from the free throw line. So Tech would get aggressive with him defensively. 
those are at least positives. Just the question right now is, is where has this been more consistently for Virginia Tech? And if they could have found a way to channel that, would they be in a better spot where even with the win against State, not so great Florida State team, they're not clearly outside the NCAA tournament, which the Hokies obviously are right now. Meanwhile, for Virginia, you know, one game doesn't change the result that this is still a, an NCAA tournament team. But it is a game where, you know, if you're Tony Bennett, we mentioned the value of winning Saturday at FSU when offense did have to lead the way, when defense was not the staple. Part of it is also last night that that carried over to Pitt. And that's a chance for us to dissect what Tony Bennett said and then what he really meant with what he said and what he meant. Nothing beats an insightful press conference. I think I realized we got a long way to go. You know, uh, we definitely did some good things, and we did some things that we, we want to take back. We left some yards and some points out there on the field, but for the first time coming out uh, and to get a dub is really a blessing, and we were just happy to have that. That's why you need so-called experts to decipher what's really being said. It's nothing about the past, nothing about the future. It's right now we're preparing for Cincinnati. It's time for what he said and what he meant. True insight into all the cliches and coach speak. Well, if you're a Virginia fan, they're still 10 and 4 in the ACC. They're 19 and 6 overall. They've got Wake Forest at home this Saturday. They'll have Carolina at home the following Saturday, next Saturday, the 24th, and then the the first Saturday in May, they're on the road at Duke. So there're plenty of opportunities for the Wahoos to get another good win to boost their resume, to take care of business and Losing at home to Pitt is disappointing. It's a team that entered the night 500 in the ACC and you know, maybe playing their way into the NCAA tournament consideration and discussion right now. Uh, you know, we've, we've mentioned Virginia and Clemson joining Duke and Carolina as your four NCAA tournament teams. I don't think that's changed. But we've touched on Wake Forest as a bubble team. Win at Virginia Saturday would certainly help the Deeks. Um, Pitt as well in that category. By the way, Wake will get Duke at home later this year, and that's another chance to boost their resume. But don't sleep on Pitt as another team that's playing their way into this. And Tony Bennett was willing to at least credit the Panthers for how well they shot the ball. Well, first, Pitt's playing really good basketball. Um, they're, a, they're, they're a hard guard. Um, so a credit to them how they've played. They were prepared. Um, they were tough. They were physical. They were prepared. They were tough. They were physical. And they are a hard guard. And that is something that Tony Bennett... Uh, reasonably when the opposing team drops 74 on a Virginia defense that's one of the best in the country most times, including over this recent stretch since mid-January. Um, it wasn't spectacular. Pitt shooting 44% from the floor, but they shot 44% as well from three-point range. And they take a lot, but they made a lot. And it felt like every time Pitt needed to respond to a Virginia run, they were able to do that. Virginia would cut the deficit to three or four. Pitt would come up with a big shot to put his shit back to six or seven. And they continue to do that, which puts strain on Virginia. And that's where it requires a lot to be locked in and mentally tough. It takes it takes a real sound, tough-minded effort um, defensively from start to finish against a, a team like this that's playing this well and has that kind of attack. Um, so... You know, again, Florida State, we kind of won more with our offense. Um, in this game, our offense wasn't enough. We got some good shots, but also took some some ill-advised shots at times. But, um, you know, again, we just got to learn from it, grow from it, and um, credit to Pitt for how they played. The phrase mentally tough from Tony Bennett that he just 
uttered or he uttered last night, but we just played it for you here in the fast lane. The phrase mentally tough is not wrong. Because when a team like Pitt is making that many shots, you've got to be even more aggressive denying them the ball. Getting somebody in their face that's not delayed, which happened with Virginia on some switches, it looked like in the second half of that game. And again, I'm not a basketball X's and O's guy the way I can see a football field. Uh, and uh, I mean, none of this is relative to coaches and players, of course, but just relative to my you know, novice perspective on this. But it, it looked like Virginia was a little bit slow defensively. And when a team like Pitt is shooting as well as they were last night, and Grant, the opponent's not going to do that every time, but you got to be more mentally locked in defensively than Virginia was, and it's hard to maintain that regularly. It's why I give grace, if I'm a Virginia fan, to this loss. Now, if they lose again to Wake Forest in similar fashion on Saturday, a game that I'll be covering for the Virginia Talk Radio Network, uh, a noon tip-off, okay, th- then at that point you're starting to go, are, are, are they reverting back to their previous ways? But it's a high standard, and it's a standard they've shown they can meet regularly, and it's why you can have that type of standard that you expect your guys to perform very well. And, I mean, again, to their credit, it's not just what Tony Bennett said and meant, but Isaac McNeely was as honest as anybody afterwards that uh, one of the problems for Virginia is the runs deflate them at times, and it certainly did last night against Pitt. Yeah, you know, we're not necessarily a team that plays well from behind because, you know, we're not the fastest team. You know, we don't try and, like, push in transition too much, so it's hard whenever we get behind like that and they're hitting tough shots. Um, so, yeah, I would say definitely, you know, sometimes when they – when they hit a tough shot like that, it deflates you. It's like, man, like we played good defense for 29 seconds and then they hit a tough one at the end of the shot clock or whatever. So sometimes, yeah, that can deflate you, but, you know, we can't let that happen. We've got to, you know, keep the offense and defense separate, um, not let, you know, them hitting shots affect our offense or affect our defense. We just got to, you know, keep playing. I mean, it's a reasonable response. And again, everybody complains about, oh, they overemphasize defense at Virginia. Uh, part of that is also, you know, players that go there buy in because the emphasis on defense helps them be ready to defend a position in the NBA, and if you can defend a position in the NBA, you will last in the NBA because uh, if you're not LeBron James, who's the you know second greatest basketball player of all time, or the greatest, second uh, behind Michael Jordan, but still the greatest of this generation, not the best right now. I put Jokic, Giannis is in that category. Uh, you know, you could look at other guys that might win MVP this year. But regardless, when you're in that category, okay, what position you can defend takes a back seat to they can't defend you, so we need you on the floor. But for most guys, it's different. And guys at Virginia, that's different. And it's a standard to which they've been held, and most players buy in and you know go back into the archives because, as Coach Prime reminds us, and guess what? We keep receipts at Fastlane Edlane where you listen to podcasts. But two of the leaders on this team, and Reese Beekman and Ryan Dunn, were adamant that part of the reason they've come to Virginia and came back this year is it, it, yes, it's not always fun in the moment, but that emphasis on defense prepares you for the next level. Well, when you don't defend as well as you're capable of, if you want to be at that next level defensively you got to meet that particular standard. And Isaac McNeely said it wasn't good enough. Reese Beekman did afterwards as well. And Tony Bennett was a little less eloquent in emphasizing that as a weakness for Virginia last night. You just needed to stay attached. And once they hit some shots, felt like at the end we we quit a little bit. Um, just like we got we got discouraged and we got to learn from that, whether we took a quick shot. When I say quit, I don't mean I just feel like we, we didn't stick to what we needed to do and then it can separate quick. So a quit is different. This is not Louisville football quitting at University of Virginia, you know, seven, eight years ago when Bobby Petrino was the coach and the players were lounging out on the bench with their arms all spread out and they were down 27 to three and everyone knew that they had checked out on Bobby Petrino. Like that, that was, that is peak redefining quit as a program. 
Heck, it wasn't Liberty New Mexico State of 2022 quit where the coaches had quit on the players and nobody was balled into the game. Like, let, let's not def- define it as that level of quit. So, again, we're, we're kind of interpreting Tony Bennett here, but what he's basically mentioning is they lost the ability to stay mentally engaged. And often that's what separates great from good is the ability to be mentally locked in and focused, including when it's a battle with yourself to put your best foot forward. And it looked like that just me watching the game last night with the family hanging out after Fat Tuesday celebrations for Mardi Gras over at the church. You know, we're chilling at the house watching the game, and it sure looked like that was a Virginia team that when adversity started to strike over that second half run and Pitt gained their separation, Virginia could not bail themselves out of that. They couldn't find the extra oomph to get over the hump. And oh, by the way, again, I know we kind of carry the water at times for Tony Bennett, and at times we're critical, but one thing that I always admire in coaches and players is when adversity happens and you won't let that define you and Reese Beekman's foul and yes you can question some of the officiating first of all if you're a Virginia fan just remember who was not officiating this game last night it was Clarence Armstrong Brian O'Connell and Ramey Steins guess who was not officiating it their guy the luckiest official in all of basketball if you get our drift Virginia fans certainly would so you don't have that excuse on which to fall. And, and there are going to be moments where officiating is not good. There, Frankly, I, I thought, by the way, David Cunningham of TechSideline.com did a great piece on how in women's basketball it's become a real issue. Like Liz Kitley uh, and Georgia Amor and the fouls that they took against Boston College. Um, again, another side note. The One of them was when Virginia Tech was trying to dribble out the clock at the end. When teams are dribbling out the clock, why is it that sometimes they don't allow that to happen? Like, dude, you're down by double digits with less than 30 seconds to go and the shot clock is off. Recognize the game situation for crying out loud. But anyway, there are moments of officiating that's not good. But to Tony Bennett's credit, Reese Beekman picking up his third foul in the second half was not an example of, oh, that changed the complexion of the game. Yeah, it could have been. I mean, obviously, you know, Reese did play 33 minutes, but um, that stretch, they yeah, I don't know what they separated the score to, but... Um, we were playing, we, we kind of were, when we got it going, we were sort of exchanging baskets with them. We couldn't come up with a tough stop. And then we'd have a, a good play that was either an offensive rebound or we just had a breakdown. But um, they had us, you know, they had us guessing. Um, they really did, and that's a tough feeling. And you're almost, when you're hoping they're missing and you're not making them earn as much, that's tough. See, here's the other thing, it, making them earn as much. And that's being late defensively, so guys get cleaner looks, which Pitt certainly did. Blake Henson was fantastic last night. He's one of the best players in the ACC right now. Probably will be a first-team All-ACC caliber player, uh, you know, along with you know R.J. Davis and Armando Baycott at North Carolina. He'll probably put Reese Beekman of Virginia in that camp too uh, as first-team All-ACC caliber players. And maybe you would put either you know somebody from Duke, although they've been kind of inconsistent. Maybe it's Salas at Wake Forest who's been fantastic. You know, there are a number of guys in that category, but Henson was that way, and, and you got to be able to contain that regularly and Virginia didn't and you know here's the other thing there are times where people go well Virginia's just bemoaning their defense dude Virginia shot 50 percent last night like I get it the three-pointers really weren't falling down the stretch you know four of 14 is kind of ugly from three-point range but Virginia they were actually able to do enough outside of that to create offensive opportunities 
I mean, 50% shooting and 63%, it's not great, but for a team like Virginia, it should be enough to keep you in the game down the stretch, and Virginia never really was as that game progressed from the 10-minute mark to the under seven timeout, to the under four timeout, which at, at which point, you know, it comes with two and a half minutes to go. You realize this game's over. You know, that's where Virginia's biggest weakness really was. More on ACC basketball. We're going to pivot a little bit here in the fast lane. Hopefully our rotations are better than Virginia was in the second half last night against Pitt. But when we come back, Ben Cates, NewsAdvance.com, will talk local sports. Then around 545 today, we'll have some Linton explanations. You know, I'm making a big give up for Lent. If you want a little sneak peek, Fast Lane, Med Lane, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And there are some loopholes to this. Not necessarily that I'm going to break it during Lent, but, you know, I kind of found a way to game my own system, so to speak, or game the system of it. Uh, you know, I engage in my own version of Fat Tuesday, shall we say. So we'll explain that. And then, yes, maybe even some fan feedback as well. Today, all of that's still to come in the Fast Lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.